KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. The Cowboys, you can't stand. And to this day, uh, the Sizemores and the Billy Bradleys and the uh, Tom Lukens and the, and the Franklin Masters, we text message one another. We usually end up with our uh, text messages Dallas still sucks. You know, that's that's how we felt. And our guest this week is former Eagles linebacker, former head coach at Division Three Rowan University down in Glassboro, John Bunting. And John, thanks so much for taking the time. Pleasure to be with you, Matt. So tell us first, uh, what are you doing these days? <laughs> well, right now I am enjoying my last few days here in the state of Maine. Uh, we have a residence in Florida, which is my winter hangout. And we have a place up here, a cabin up here in Maine that's just a pleasure to be here in the summertime, uh, get away from the heat and the humidity down there in Florida. Uh, we've been coming up here for over 30 years. Uh, my uncle and grandfather built uh, two cabins side by side, my brother's in one, I'm in the other. And uh, we just love it here in the summertime. And, and uh, we're in countdown mode, we stayed up here few extra days because of the fact that we're going to be driving through Philadelphia, visiting with my uh, children, my grandchild, and going into the Glassboro State Rowan Hall of Fame on, uh, I guess it's Sunday, October 24th. So we stayed up here a little bit extra, and it is cold inside this cabin. (laughs) You mentioned that Hall of Fame. You know, what does that mean to you, getting in, inducted at a place where you really had a ton of success? Well, I'm following my wife. She went in, I think, 2003, 2004, uh, and uh, she is going to be going with me. I've got a few inside stories on her that I will reveal uh, when I speak at the induction. Uh, so it should be some fun. Uh, I... I I loved my time at Glassboro State. I was very honored uh, to be inducted and uh, will be that way forever. Uh, I had probably, Matt, the best time I ever had coaching coaching at Glassboro State Rowan. Uh, it just was fun. And it, there's a reason behind that. And I finally figured it out. Uh, it's D3 ball. So my coaching staff averaged uh, getting – $1,500 for the season to coach. Uh, I had one full-time assistant who also coached another sport and also taught classes. I was the first full-time coach that they ever hired. And, uh, you know, the players, they played for free. They played because they loved to play the game of football. So, un, you know, comparing it to my final job as a coach, coaching my alma mater, the University of North Carolina, you're dealing with high paid coaches who are always looking for the next job. You're dealing with uh, players that have been pampered and have been uh, lied to at times and have been been recruited for at least a couple of years. Uh, And they have egos. And so you get to deal with that. And there was only one place that I would ever do that, and that was at my my alma mater, and I, I got to do it. And uh, we had the biggest wins the schools ever had, but we also did not win enough. So 
we went down and uh you know so it, it it's it was fun to be at glassboro it was an honor to coach at my alma mater but uh hey right now i'm in a good place i'm retired uh i'm trying to stay healthy which is you know that's a full-time job when you're 70 plus years old and you played 13 years on the veteran stadium astro turf ain't that the truth so growing up i know i think you were born in maine but you grew up outside of dc silver spring am i correct that is absolutely correct yes so growing up were you a football all the time kid or did you play whatever was happening in the area in the neighborhood whatever was in season we played neighborhood ball, football, but I didn't even play varsity football until I was in 11th grade. Football was my favorite sport. Uh, and played baseball, played basketball. Uh, you know, it, it had some success uh, in, in both of those sports, uh, but football was my favorite. Uh, Springbrook High School in Silver Spring, Maryland is where I played. Uh, got recruited uh, by many schools, including Maryland, which I thought I would probably go there. Uh, got some interest from some Big Ten schools, visited Virginia, the University of Virginia, uh, and visited NC State, uh, visited a few other schools. But when I got to Chapel Hill and met Coach Dooley, Bill Dooley, I, I knew that's where I wanted to go. And, um, you know, they were an up-and-coming program that uh, Dooley had been in charge for a couple of years. Uh, they had not had a winning season. And before I left North Carolina, we had not only had a winning season and gone to a bowl game my junior year, uh, we won the ACC championship my senior year. So uh, a lot of fun, a lot of excitement. I was uh, married at 19 years old with a child down there. So I made it a little bit harder on myself, but uh, I'm grateful uh, for my experience there, grateful uh, for uh, my child that was, that was born there. And uh, hey, it's all good. So you say you didn't play varsity till junior year. What click? Because that seems like a very quick uh, move. You, you're you not playing varsity till you're a junior, but you're getting this high-level college uh, attention. Did Was it just a matter of the opportunity? Did did you have a growth spurt? What kind of led to that that quick transition to a, to a higher-level recruit, higher-level athlete? Well, growing up in the D.C. area, of course, I was a Washington Redskins fan, and they were horrible. They 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 never won. Uh, and uh, I was fortunate enough to hang with a bunch of athletes. That's that's who I hung out with. You know, that's part I think of growing up. You, who who do you, who are your friends, and and what do they believe in? What are their what are their beliefs? Uh, and I had a bunch of great friends that, that loved sports. And so we played basketball. We played, you know, we played out the street. We played down at, at Springbrook High School. We, we ch challenged other neighborhoods to play football. <laughs> so we, we had a lot of fun. But I had a growth spurt between ninth and 10th grade where I probably went from like 5'8 to about 6'1 and went from about, you know, 135 pounds to about 170 pounds, 175 pounds. So I continued to get, get uh, some good growth. I had some really good coaches in high school. Um, and we didn't win a championship there, but I think because of the fact that I was playing both ways, uh, fullback and linebacker, uh, having success uh, and, and uh, 
a, a graduate assistant at the University of North Carolina is the one that so-called discovered me. And he was a incredible recruiter. I got a letter from him twice a week, handwritten letter. So I started leaning towards North Carolina because of the attention that I was getting from that graduate assistant. And then when Bill Dooley came to Springbrook High School, sat in a classroom with me, uh, I knew it was, it was over. And uh, of course, at the time, a freshman could not compete at the varsity level. So uh, I had a freshman class of about 40 some on scholarship. And by the time I graduated from North Carolina in 1971, last, I mean, last football season. There's 12 of those guys left. So uh, Bill Dooley not only recruited talent, he wanted guys to be very tough. And we were put through uh, the ringer uh, to compete and, and learn how to compete at a higher level and, and really, really uh, it, take all of our energy and, and work habits to another level. Your success at North Carolina leads you to get drafted by the Eagles, uh, not till the 10th round in 72. Did you, did you think you were going to be drafted? Were you surprised? Were you disappointed it was that late? I mean, the draft's a different animal then than it is now, but what was your thought process once your college career was, was over? You know, 17 rounds back in the day. So there was three days of drafting and I never expected to go on the first day and I don't remember how many rounds they covered but you know I thought that there was a chance I might get drafted and here's probably the reason why I got drafted by the Eagles we played uh, Notre Dame at in South Bend my senior year and I had a stellar day we didn't win the game but I had 19 tackles in that game and supposedly a Philadelphia Eagles scout was there uh, so not, not, you know, that's all ACC. It was not an all American, none of that stuff, but, um, I had a, a really good senior year. Uh, so anybody that came and, and watched tape would see that I, I knew how to play the game. Uh, I was, I was a study, uh, a, a holic. I, I, I loved to study the game. I loved, I had a great linebacker coach that taught me how to study the study tape. Um, so I was able to make a lot of plays and and have success. Tenth round pick, traveled to Philadelphia for the first time in my life. I'm in a taxi cab going across the bridge there, uh, and there's all these smoke and flames coming out of the out of the oil refineries. And I'm going, what kind of a place am I, am I going to now? And taxi driver drove me around, drove me by Penn, and when I lined up to practice the first day of mini camp, uh, you know, I, I was sixth ranked. There was, there was at least 15 linebackers and I was way down the, 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 the list, but as things happened in training camp, uh, that year, I, you know, I got opportunities and took advantage of those opportunities. And all of a sudden we're playing Dallas Cowboys in, in Dallas, Texas on opening day. And, and Adrian Young, who was playing in front of me, uh, not a popular player with the staff. He was a little bit of a misfit of a guy. Uh, he told me prior to the game, he goes, this will be my last game. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He goes, they don't like me. Uh, I got to play in the second half of the game, played well. Adrian Young was cut the next week, and I, was, I became the starter. 
I mean, that happens so quickly, you know, does it feel natural or are you, is your head swimming trying to keep up with everything? Where are you like mentally at that point? Matt, I would tell you this right now. I, I, I was swimming big time in the head. Uh, at North Carolina, our defense was designed to stop option football, which is what a, a lot of people did, particularly in the Southeast Conference back in the day. And Bill Dooley came out of the Southeast Conference, and a lot of our teams had option football. And it, you know, it was basically you you line up and you have a you have a responsibility uh, to, to to either take the back on the option play or take the quarterback on the option, one or the other. That was basically it. Uh, pass coverage, eh, you know, we didn't get involved. All of a sudden, I'm playing against Dallas and, and, and Tom Landry's offense that is so varied in terms of everything that they do, personnel groups, formations. I've never seen someone. I had no idea how to declare strength and, and, and what would happen if, if a guy went in motion. So I was totally swimming and took me, I'm going to say, at least two years to start to figure it out. Um, our head coach, Eddie Kayat, was fired after the, that first year. Uh, I, as I said, I started the, the next game against the New York Giants. Uh, I was taken out of the game because I, I could not uh, make plays like I had done prior and, and, and practiced well. But I was swimming. I, I had a hard time picking up what was going on with the pro style of offense. Eventually, you know, it just took some time. And, uh, and then I became, a, 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 I would say, a very avid student uh, of the game and, and learned once again how to study tape, how to uh, retain uh, formations, what they meant, uh, who's likely to carry the ball, where are receivers located, what are the splits of the wide receivers, blah, blah, blah. All those things I came to uh, truly enjoy uh, learning and preparing for games. And eventually, uh, after Dick Vermeil came in to uh, our organization and he hired Marion Campbell as our defense coordinator, I became the sacred call uh, and thoroughly enjoyed doing that. And, and we were we were number one in, in the NFL in defense for like two or three years in a row, 78, 79, 80, 81. And uh, in, in part because I knew what to call. I, I knew what to do. I knew what how to get the defense lined up and uh, enjoy it. Enjoyed very much being that, uh, having that responsibility and, you know, not being the star football player, but being a big part of our success. I'm curious, playing in a collegiate defense that is, you know, at designed to stop the option, did that make it almost more difficult, the transition? Because you're not just learning, you know, the pro style defense but you have to unlearn so many things that had become reflexive I'm sure for you did that make the transition even harder because like I said you had to kind of go backwards before you went forwards there's no doubt about that I I had to as you say un unlearn I, I, I had to learn mostly about the style of offense in the NFL at that time uh, you know, today's world, I probably wouldn't even uh, get a chance to get out there and, and play because I was a four, eight guy was not a four, four or four, five or four, six, 40 guy. I was a four, eight guy. And, and I had to, uh, you know, everything I had to, uh, I had to get to the point of attack by my head, 
mostly. Uh, so, you know, I'll tell you a quick funny story. We go down to play the Super Bowl 1980 season, 1981 in January or whatever it was. And uh, Dick Vermeil had one of the longest practices we ever had on Friday before the Super Bowl. And he, he put in a couple of new plays, a couple of trick plays. And here comes Ron Jaworski down the line of scrimmage uh, in, in practice. I'm all out there as the scout team linebacker. He's running an option. And he comes down the line, and I see it's option football, and I played off the quarterback, and then he, 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 he lateraled the ball to the running back, Wilbur Montgomery, and I went over to tackle Wilbur Montgomery. So and it never left me. That idea of what your responsibility is on option football never left. But believe me, the offenses were very, very different, different in the NFL. I had to relearn everything. Uh, it took a while, uh, but once I did, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Do you remember the moment when it clicked at the NFL? Like, was there a practice, a, a, a meeting, a game where all of a sudden you did something as reflexively as you had done in college defending the option and you were like, oh, okay, now I'm starting to see it. Do you remember an aha moment or was it just gradual hard work and little by little? I would say it was, it's, it was gradual hard work. Uh, and, and fortunately, once again, uh, Eddie Kyatt was fired. Mike McCormick came in as the head coach. Walt Michaels, longtime linebacker in the league, longtime defensive coordinator, head coach a couple different times, was our defensive coordinator and the linebacker coach. Uh, very, very tough individual. Uh, and and uh, because of his tutelage, I, I think I was able to, to gain qu quicker knowledge uh, gain uh, a, a, a an advantage over others uh, but particularly the guys that I'm competing with to be a starter uh, but you know to be, be able to play physical and and be mentally sharp enough to compete uh, so Walt Michael saw in me uh, a, a computer and uh, and I was able to uh, play uh, the weak side position which was always to the open side away from the tight end uh, which I didn't like as much. So the, when Marion Campbell took over as a defensive coordinator in 1977 uh, with Dick Vermeil and his group of coaches, uh, I got switched to left outside linebacker. So I saw a lot of tight ends. I love to play over a tight end. I enjoyed it. And our defense was set up so that take the tight end out of the game. Don't let him block down on the inside linebacker. Don't let him free release into the secondary. Uh, and, and I was really good at it. I was, I was very good at holding up the tight end. And that was my primary focus uh, over the next few years uh, under Marion Campbell and the Philadelphia Eagles. So as you mentioned, your first few years, you have a couple of different coaches, head coaches. Uh, in 76, Dick Vermeil arrives. Do you remember your initial impressions of, of Dick Vermeil when, when he first took over? First of all, you know, he's unheard of because he's coaching at UCLA. Uh, he's out on the West Coast. Hardly any of us ever, ever watch football out there. Uh, and to this day, a lot of people don't watch West Coast football because it's, it's on too late. Uh, so I didn't know differently. But when I first met him, he made a strong impression. And I think most people that get to meet him for the first time have one of the, the same type of thoughts. This guy's genuine. This guy is honest. 
this guy doesn't fool around. This guy is all about football, and and, and he is about having the putting the right people on the bus and getting them into the right seats. He is a master of of uh, I I would say of communication. Uh, he was and and he made a giant impression upon me right away. Now, when we got to training camp, that was another story. Um, another quick story here. We go into camp July 3rd, 1976, and we're in a meeting. Coaches having a meeting there, and all of a sudden, you know, we hear all the noise outside, and, and, and Coach Ramil tells Carl Peterson, hey, Carl, we, we can't conduct a meeting here. Go, go outside. Find what that racket's all about. So Carl leaves the, the classroom and, and, and comes back in. He goes, hey, coach, I guess it has something to do that, that we're celebrating the bicentennial tonight, uh, July 4th. I don't think we're going to get the fireworks to stop. So that's the kind of guy that, got, that Dick Vermeil was. He was so freaking focused that he, you know, it, it completely uh, blew his mind that, that, that the people would be out celebrating the bicentennial on July 4th, 1976. We had two days all the way up till the beginning of the season. We went in full pads every single practice. Uh, we never took our pads off uh, except for occasionally on a Saturday before a Sunday game, he might let us take the pads, pads, the uppers off. And, uh, but we always had those helmets on. Uh, and uh, he was, a, once again, he had, a, he had an approach. Uh, he had a plan. Uh, and he executed it, uh, and we we changed a lot of players. We didn't have any draft picks. I mean, we had the Eagles had traded away uh, two first rounds, two first rounders for Roman Gabriel, two first rounders for uh, Bill Berge. Uh, so we never had a draft pick until the third or fourth round of 1977 when they drafted Reggie Wilkes out of Georgia Tech. So he did it. Uh, he did it with smoke and mirrors uh, for a couple of three years, but we kept getting better. And the one thing, Matt, that I will always, always remember uh, about Coach Ramil, and it's something that I carried with me, it's it's about character. You know, it, 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 it's hard to win with a bunch of jerks on your team. It really is. So uh, I, I I always carry that with me wherever I coached and I wanted to have players that were good people uh, or team players because football is the ultimate team sport. Everybody knows that. So many, there's so many pieces that have to work together. And uh, that, that was one of the things that was kind of fun about both being a player and then later a coach is to, is to, to work all those intangibles out uh, to have success. So the, those Vermeil years, it really is interesting. It was just this, this slow build, better and better every year. Do you remember, is there a game where you felt like you guys turned the corner and really bright days were ahead? It might have been a loss, but just you could just see the personnel, the buy-in, the talent level that, yeah, we're – we're on our way. I'll tell you another quick story. We start the season in 1978 uh, with two losses, two hard felt uh, and, and 
tough losses. But I had gained confidence through training camp. I gained confidence through the preseason. I gained confidence that we had a good football team. We really did. You know, Ron Jaworski at quarterback. Our offensive line is, is full of, of guys that are going to eventually go to the Pro Bowl. Uh, and I called Dick Vermeil. Uh, on Tuesday, following a uh, our, our Monday meeting and our second loss in a row, uh, and I and I got him on the phone. I said, "Coach, I just want I want to let you know we're going to be good. We just need to win some games. We need to win like three games in a row. That we're gonna we're gonna take off." And he came back with, "John, I'm trying to win one game, run one game in a row. No, coach, we need three. Well." We went on a we went on a, a, a little bit of a tear. Uh, we won the following week. I'm trying to think of who that was against because most of the stuff I've talked with about so many times I can remember it. But let's just say it was Baltimore. Uh, then we beat the Dolphins, uh, who were the like the number one offense in the in the NFL at the time. We we just dominated them. Uh, and then the next week we went to the uh, play in, in Boston. Uh, against the Patriots, and that's 1978, and, and somewhere in the third quarter, I tore up my name. So I went out. I was having the best season I've ever had. I was playing on a team that I knew was going to win some football games, uh, and I'm out. And uh, I'm diagnosed with the, you know ACL uh, tear, lateral meniscus tear, uh, given a 50-50 chance. The, the surgeon that operated on me, Dr. Vincent Stefano, God bless him, um, you know, he had, he had never performed this type of surgery on a professional athlete before. So I was given, uh, you know, a 50-50 chance to ever play again. Well, that went, that wasn't going to happen. I got to play. I'm having, I'm, I was having a great year, and now I'm down and out. And we have, we have a winning season. We go to, to Atlanta to play in the playoffs, lose that game, a tough, tough loss. But um, I spent the next, you know, six, seven months in rehab uh, with my trainer, Otho Davis, and Ron O'Neill, who was really the technical guy that, that I worked with. And, and, and I busted my ass to uh, get back and play. And, you know, when we went into preseason that year, 79, uh, I wasn't allowed to practice. I wasn't allowed to uh, go to meetings. I could see my teammates at, at lunchtime, breakfast time, dinner time. Otherwise, I didn't see it. I didn't even go on the field. I went with Ron O'Neill. We went to separate fields to train to get me ready. Finally, the uh, last preseason game, we're down in Miami playing against the Dolphins. And, uh, I, I, you know, Dick Vermeil has already talked to me about perhaps putting me on injured reserve and coming back in a month because uh, they just started that new rule where you can come back in a month. Um, and I said, I want to suit up tonight. And he, he allowed me to do that. Uh, I played. I played OK. Uh, we come back. He says to me again, I think I'm going to put you on IR. I said, coach, you can't do it. I, I need to play. I need to play now. And uh, he believed, he says, you know, I, I saw you limping around some out there on the field. I said, not when I was playing, maybe in between. And he, he allowed me to play and start the opener against the Giants. And I got a picture of me and Ron O'Neill on the sideline prior to the game. So thankful for that man. And uh, I came back and played, played every game. And, uh, you know, went on to, to get better the next year because uh, there was a lot of tape involved, taping that knee up, making it go out there and play. Uh, had success 
and uh, we won another game uh, in 79 and, and uh, we won the first playoff game went down i think to tampa and got beat uh by the bucks and um next year we came back and, and went to the super bowl time for a break on one-on-one we will have more with former eagles linebacker john bunting right after this and we are back. Our guest this week, John Bunting, longtime former Eagles linebacker, also was the head coach at Division Three Rowan University down in Glassboro. What was the – you talked about, you know, you're on a separate field and all, but, you know, ACL surgeries these days are pretty common. And, you know, I think you mentioned the surgeon first time he'd done it. How much of the rehab was – I don't want to say guesswork, but, well, we think this is best practice because I'm guessing there really wasn't a playbook at that point, no? Absolutely. I mean, the six weeks in a full cast, full leg cast, uh, from my basically my hip all the way down to my toes, uh, six weeks on crutches, six more weeks uh, not putting any weight on it. Finally, the cast uh, comes off, uh, and uh, Ron, Ron was a very, very smart guy. Uh, we had uh, pain days where we bre- were breaking down the scar tissue, where I'd lay on my belly and he would jam that that uh, leg and knee and bend that knee up to my butt, uh, with my foot to my butt, and uh, it it was painful and, and it was scary because I wasn't even allowed to run until the first of May. So you just think I've been in a cast since October. I have not been able to, to, to walk without crutches or walk uh, at all after that. Uh, so it, it was painful and it, it was a little scary. Uh, and um, I just told everybody around me that I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. I just don't know when. I just don't know when. You obviously came back and played at a high level, but were you the same type of player? Did you have to change your game to have the same level of success? I would say after the, that season in 79, uh, when I was still, you know, I, I, I must have gone through, you know, a ton of ice. You know, I, I take an ice bag to bed, put it on my knee. And by the time it was two o'clock in the morning, it was hot water. Uh, so I would change. I had, a, I had a, a cooler next to the bed so I could change ice bags. So I, I was a very devoted I would say a disciple of Ron O'Neill and what what he thought I needed to do. Uh, and uh, I would say that I, I was back to about full speed in 80, the, the 80 season. Uh, didn't I still had to ice down after practice every day, but uh, I was I was running as well as I ever had run. So I was able to maneuver. I was able to, to cut. I was able to breakdown. I was able to make tackles. I was able to, you know, knock balls down. Uh, everything was the same uh, after the uh, 79 season. So let's talk about 80. You mentioned the the story about the, the practice before the Super Bowl, but take me leading into that season. You guys had made the playoffs the last two years. You mentioned you had won a playoff game the year before against Chicago, battled a really good Tampa team in the divisional playoffs. Are you coming into 80 thinking, we are an elite team and we should go to the Super Bowl. I don't think we were thinking Super Bowl, but we certainly were thinking we, we had a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, when you when you have players like 
uh, Keith Creffley and, you know, Jerry Sizemore, Stan Walters, uh, Guy Morris, God bless him, um, and uh, Wilbert Montgomery, uh, <clears throat> Harold Carmichael, I just attended uh, his Hall of Fame induction a few weeks ago. Uh, we had some really good players, and defensively, uh, we were playing at a, a really high level. Uh, we, we, we could shut people down. We were, we were a basic, fundamental football defense. Uh, we didn't play a lot of special coverages. We played three-deep zone, and we played a little bit of two-deep zone. And we, 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 we uh, Marion Campbell gave me a, a lot of uh, leverage to change our front, change a coverage based on formation personnel uh, and, and, and what changes may happen. I mean, at that point in time, when tight ends go in motion or wide receiver, it ch- changes the strength. So you got to adjust. I enjoyed that. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And, and, our, and our defense really responded. We had a, we, we, like, we like to think that we were really good at linebacker, but we had a great defensive front. Uh, you know, Dennis Bigfoot Harrison, Claude Humphrey was uh, a pass rushing specialist. Charlie Johnson was a tremendous nose tackle. His backup, Kenny Clark, who I also saw out there at the induction of Harold. Uh, Carl Harrison, one of my greatest friends and, and a guy I've coached with many, many times, uh, was our right defensive end. These guys were really, really good. I mean, they they would take offensive lines apart. Uh, and, and us linebackers, just we just had to, you know, stay on the line of scrimmage and, and, and make tackles. Frank LeMaster, good player. Jerry Robinson outstanding player i mean the eagles draft two linebackers when they finally get a draft pick they are drafting reggie wilkes out of georgia tech who was a a beautiful guy beautiful player uh i gotta not i gotta beat him out and then they draft jerry robinson number one uh i gotta beat him out so i i I was always under pressure to be the starter and and uh you know was I lucky? Yeah, probably some. Uh, was I good enough? Yeah, but was I the signal caller? That was a big part of it. Uh, they they respected that. Marion, Dick Vermeil, they all respected that. They knew uh, that I, I I cared so much about being right on my calls and audibles and checks. Uh, they depended upon me, and uh, that was fun. That was very 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 much fun. See you guys in '80. You win the East. 12 and four home field advantage. Everybody remembers. And it's such a special game. It's ingrained on Philadelphia sports history, the win over Dallas to go to the Super Bowl. A lot of people forget the divisional game against Minnesota. And you guys came out and were actually down 14, nothing at home to the Vikings. And there's a chance this whole dream could go sideways. Take me inside that game. You guys ended up winning, going away. And I think you forced like eight turnovers defensively, but you're in a 14, nothing hole in that first playoff game. What was, you know, kind of take me inside that one. Well, it wasn't by accident that we got down. I guess it was 14 zip. Um, I, I don't know if we had a turnover, uh, but, Minnesota got us in a couple binds and made some plays. What I remember most about when we got down 14 zip, whatever it was, Marion Campbell comes over to the defense as he normally would do in between uh, our, our 
our battles out there on the field and we're on the sideline. And he read us the riot act. He is, he was a very quiet uh, guy. I, I would say for the most part, very peaceful. He went out of his mind and, 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 and I think it really shook us up, got our attention and we went back out there and started playing Eagle defense again. So that, I think that's the big thing there to, to, that I remember about uh, that game because we were down and, and it, it wasn't good. And, and everything that we had accomplished was going to be gone, you know, in, in the next, you know, hour and a half if we don't get, get things together. So we got it together and, uh, and we went out and scored some points. And, and as you say, we, I think we got a number of turnovers in the second half. So then the Dallas game that I mentioned earlier, what was the lead up to that one like? I mean, they're the only thing standing between you and the Super Bowl. It's Dallas. They're obviously, they've been a dynasty for a decade. Uh, what was it like leading into that one? I would say that our practice sessions were were high quality, tremendous enthusiasm. Dick did a really, really smart thing uh, with the team. In, in, when we were in the playoffs, we would fly to Tampa and practice down there uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then fry, fly back to Philly to practice on Friday. So Dick gave us a lot of freedom down there on those days. So us players, we would go out to dinner together. Uh, we practiced in the sunshine and the heat together. We just, we, once again, we gained a lot of confidence down there together. We were, we were back in, in training camp without uh, all the, the extra meetings and this, that, and the other. Just having a good time. Just having a great time together. We had a tremendous team chemistry uh, with that football team. Uh, so when we got, flew back to play in Philly, we all, most of us remember that it was sub-zero degrees out there on that frozen turf. Uh, and we knew that Dallas wouldn't like it. We also forced them to wear their blue jerseys, which for some reason they hated doing. Uh, so we felt like everything was lining up. And I can just tell you that in the locker room prior to going out and play in that game, I don't know if it was a four o'clock game or what it was, but we were jacked. We were, we, we, we were, let us out of the cage. We want to go out there and beat these guys. We want to beat their ass. And, you know, the Dallas thing will never end between Philly and Dallas. And, and you know, the Giants, the, the, a, we, we have a rivalry with them. The Washington football team, formerly known as the Redskins, we have, we have a rival, rivalry with them. But the Cowboys, we can't stand them. And to this day, uh, the Sizemores and the Billy Bradleys and the uh, Tom Lukens and the, and the Franklin Masters, we text message one another. We usually end up with our uh, text messages, Dallas still sucks. You know, that's that's how we felt. And, uh, you know, it, it was – and I, I, after the game, I have a great picture. Vermeil's in the middle. Bergie's on one side, I'm on the other side. And I, I spoke to him. I said, I told you we were going to kick their ass. And uh, he kind of smiled and laughed it off. But uh, there was nothing 
there was nothing was going to stop us that day. And uh, the only thing that it stopped us from leaving the field was the uh, the police on the on the on the horses. I'll never forget that too. End of the game, they come out of the horses with the horses, and that is so intimidating. Let's go inside. We celebrated enough out here. Let's go inside and celebrate with our team. So it was it was it was an experience of of none other. My favorite uh, game of all, of all my career that I ever played in. Uh, and so it was, it was a lot of fun. The weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, was there a moment where things felt off because there's been a lot of talk over the years, Eagles were tight, Raiders were loose and you could feel it in the air as part of that team. Did you feel like you were doing things differently? Did it feel like you were out of routine? You know, was there anything that you look back on and you go, yeah, we, we just weren't in the right spot or whatever. Well, I've said it probably many times, and, and Dick doesn't like to hear it, but we 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 did. We we were, we got off routine. We we had the first week up there in Philly, uh, practicing in the cold. Uh, didn't go back down to Tampa. We stayed there, but that's okay. We we're going home. This, that, and the other. We get down to New Orleans, and things change. Uh, we've got night meetings. We're we're back in training camp, is what it was, and uh, long practices. Um, the Friday practice before the Super Bowl is the longest one I ever remember being part of. Uh, and my my roommate is Luigi Amona, Dick Vermeil's nephew, our special teams captain, fiercest football player I've ever known in my entire life. And uh, I will be visiting him sometime in December. I'm going to go down to Key West and spend some time with him. Uh, we both wake up that Sunday morning and, and uh, <laughs> I said, hey, how do you feel? He goes, I feel like how do you feel? I feel the same. We we were we maybe were maybe mentally we were worn out more than anything else because we had the night meetings. Uh, we normally we had, we had gotten together in Tampa. We were going out with the with the players to have dinner and having a great time. Blah blah blah. Back to bed. Get up the next day. Practice and, and go to a meeting and then go out to dinner again. Everything was different, and uh, I think that we were a team that was very tight. When you and, and when you're tired and you're tight, it makes things even worse. Uh, and uh, we didn't play well defensively. Uh, we did not play. We offensively, we had some turnovers. Uh, and uh, you know, we had a couple plays called back. It just wasn't wasn't our day. And uh, I'll never forget uh, the locker room after that. And and uh, I just I just sat on a chair in a shower, just cried my eyes out for a long, long time. And I went back out on the field, another quick story here, and I'm still upset uh, and very dejected, and my whole family's down there, uh, my daughter's crying, uh, my son, uh, my, my wife is crying, her family's crying, my family's crying, and I just finished crying, so I'm done crying. Uh, I look over the end zone, my son is laying in the end zone at the Superdome with the program out and he's scratching the faces out of the Oakland Raiders with a with a pen, and I just had to laugh my butt off. And I, <laughs> and to this day, it was a, it was a it turned things around for me. And, uh, and my son son did a great job. So that was a, a difficult time. We all flew back the next day. Uh, it was a very very dejected football team, 
and uh, nobody pointed any fingers. We weren't that kind of team. We all just suffered in, in silence for the most part. One of the things I was interested, I didn't realize this, uh, you spent, uh, you know, during the heart of your career, you were, you were the NFLPA player rep for the Eagles, correct? That uh, Dick asked me to do it in 1977. So I did it. Uh, and, uh, I enjoyed that re- responsibility. Uh, and, uh, of course the 82 strike, we're out 57 days. Um, we come back off strike playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Dick thinks that it'll be a good idea if, uh, if he names me uh, captain, game captain for that game. So I got a picture of me and Giamona and Guy Morris and, and uh, Carl Harrison out there for the coin flip. It hangs in my house. Uh, I was a, it was a proud moment. And uh, then he thought it would be a great idea to introduce the defense. So, you know, I'm the, I'm the fourth guy to be introduced. The first three defensive linemen get out there. I'm the fourth guy getting introduced. And 70,000 people got on their feet and booed my butt. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't surprised, but a little disappointed, I guess. But, you know, that it goes with the, the flow. I mean, if you're – I took football away from the Philadelphia fans for 57 days. And, and uh, you know, we lost to the Bengals. I don't know what the score was. But it, was it, wasn't, it wasn't a run. It was like 17 to 12 or something like that. You know, we had – we. We didn't play as well as we had in the previous year, but we had a ton of close games, and you got to win those close games. And that's what it's still the same way in the NFL. You watch any NFL game, you know, there's not, not too many uh, who Buffalo beat 40, the Texans beat the, the Texans 40 to nothing last week. You don't have many of those games. They're, they're down to the last minute or two, and uh, in a, in a field goal can win it. So we had a lot of those games, but we didn't win them. And, and of course, then Dick. Dick retires. He's he's disappointed in the strike year. He's disappointed in the season. He needs to, some time away. And uh, three weeks later, headlines of the Philadelphia Inquirer: Giamona Bunning axed. We were on the front page of the Philadelphia Inquirer. And I, I often tell Dick, you know, when Dick retired after uh, the days with the with the Rams after we won the Super Bowl. You know, we won the Super Bowl on a Sunday. On Monday, we had the parade. Tuesday, he retires. Wednesday, Mike Martz is named coach. Thursday, uh, I, I congratulate Mike Martz. He comes down to my office because I don't believe in co-coordinators. If I want to kick somebody in the ass, I want to go down to one office. You're fired. So every time Dick retires, I get fired. So <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that's that's that. After 82, you mentioned, you know, you get cut by the Eagles. You end up in the USFL. You stay in Philadelphia, play with the Stars. What's the the USFL? There was It was a fun league. There was a lot of talent in that league. It, it deserved a much better fate, and that's a whole different story for a different time. But what was it like for you at that point in your career to be in an upstart league like the USFL? Well, you know, Carl Peterson being the president of the Stars, uh, and knowing what my contributions were to the Philadelphia Eagles over those years that he was there as player personnel director, um, he he asked that I come and play. I'm I'm 32 years old. 
the average age of the, the rest of that, that team on the stars is probably 23, 24. Uh, so I added it, you know, a, 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 a little bit of a, a, a smarter, more experienced head to that defense. Uh, Jim Mora, very much like Coach Ramil, really, really disciplined, a tough coach. He had a great staff. Every one of those guys coached for years uh, afterwards. Uh, the John Pieses and the Vince Tobins and, uh, you know, just so many Jim Irkin back. Those guys were great coaches. So we had a good staff. We had some great players, uh, you know, starting with Kelvin Bryant, uh, another Tar Heel. Uh, good offensive line. That's where it all starts. Uh, reminded me of the Philadelphia Eagles with their, their great offensive lines. So, uh, defense, you know, playing with Sam Mills. I just had a ball. I, you know, I, I've just come out of, you know, played nine games, I guess it was. And then I played 15, 16 more. So my knee was, was it held up. Uh, we went to the championship game out in Denver uh, and, and got beat by the Michigan Panthers. But the next day year, we, we, we won. We were 19 and two. We won all the time. Our two losses were to the generals and we knocked them off in the playoffs. So I had a blast playing. It, it, it just it was like I was just given a second chance. I was given borrowed time, time that I didn't deserve. But I played and, and sure enough, uh, July 15th, uh, 1984, I'm playing in the championship game against the uh, Arizona Wranglers and George Allen. Uh, and uh, we win, and I'm 34 years old that day. That was my birthday. We, we beat them on my birthday, and, and uh, I was thrilled and knew that it was probably my last game. Yeah, that was – was it just you felt the body, it was just time? It was time. I, I had uh, – in the beginning of the season, I had a partially torn Achilles tendon, sat out a couple weeks uh, with that, and when I got down to practice, I think it was because of the sandy soil down there in, in, in the Tampa area, I re restrained it. So, you know, I took a shot of uh, cortisone in my Achilles uh, on like Thursday when I strained it again. And then on the, on Saturday night or Sunday, whenever we played, took another shot uh, pregame, another shot at halftime. So I couldn't walk for like six weeks after this. So I knew it was the, it was the end. I, I, was, I was getting too old to play. Did you always figure on coaching? Because I know you didn't. You start the next year. I mean, the Stars moved to Baltimore, and you you start coaching. Then was that a something you pursued? Somebody comes to you. Had you always thought about coaching? Where did it coaching fit in your your mindset? I had too many crummy coaches. I didn't want to coach. I, I didn't want to be exposed. But the the Stars staff was special. Uh, and as a matter of fact, they made a mistake in my contract. This is nobody hardly even knows this, but. They had renewed my contract, which was paying me 160 grand. Uh, I said, you know what? Maybe I should play. Well, I got down to, to uh, uh, Florida where we had training camp and uh, they wouldn't let me practice. So I just, I walked around with a helmet and a jersey for about three weeks before finally uh, Jim Mora had a long talk with me and said, listen, uh, how would you like to coach your replacement, George Jamison, out of the University of Cincinnati? I said, uh, he's a great guy. I'd love to do it. So I jumped on. Jim Moore offered me the job. I took the job. 
and I had a ball coaching uh, the linebackers. Uh, Mike Johnson, who had gotten into the doghouse with Vince Tobin, uh, he got, he became a starter, became a All Pro linebacker for the Cleveland Browns later on. So I enjoyed that that part. And uh, when uh, the, the league folded, uh, of course Jim Moore went to New Orleans. I at the time was going through a divorce, got two kids. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving Philadelphia. So I stayed behind. He went, and uh, we thought that the Stars might become uh, coached by uh, uh, the old coach from the, the Baltimore Colts, Ted Marchabroda. So I had been in touch with him, possibly could work something out, but it, the league folded. So I, I you know, I kind of tooled around with radio TV, worked for KYW, uh, wanted, I did Temple football for Bruce Arians uh, that next year. Uh, and at the same time, I was asked by Ted Kirshner, the head football coach at Glassboro, if I could coach the defensive line during during the week. Don't have to be there for games. So I did that as well. Finished that year. Really enjoyed coaching. Really enjoyed the players. Once again, they are playing because they love the game. The coaches are coaching because they love the game, because they're not making any money doing it. Uh, Ted, Ted Kirshner re- resigns becomes the athletic director at Glassboro and the uh, president of uh, Glassboro, uh, Herman James, great guy, great man. He wants to have full-time coach. He wants to have full-time coach that devotes all his time into football because football starts school year off every year. He wants to have some more wins. So got the job and uh, the rest is history. That's 88. You have a great run at Glassboro state slash Rowan. You lead them to the, playoffs first time in 91 you go to the final four in 92 how much fun is it building a program like that and putting the pieces in place and seeing the progression and and being the architect of it and and having this success once again I had some great mentors you know Dick Vermeil uh I had uh, Jim Mora great mentors um I had one full-time coach Casey Keeler who took the job when I left to go to Kansas City and he had some some tremendous success and still coaching out there at uh oh out there in Texas someplace Sam um, Houston State I believe Sam Houston State that's correct so you know I took a lot of the stuff that I learned from those mentors and put put that to work for me uh we ran we ran our team like was a pro team we had pro practices uh we had uh uh, you know, I never practiced in the heat. I didn't want to do that. I had a teammate of mine die in the heat uh, my senior year at North Carolina. So I I made sure that I practiced the players. I practiced them hard, but we never went out in the heat. And uh, we had success. We had a great quarterback, Eddie Hessen. Uh, we, had, we had some great players. Casey Keeler was the ideal uh, recruiter particularly of, of the transfer player. We had a lot of players left. New Jersey's got a lot of good football. And they would go to, to the Nebraskas and, and to the Oklahomas and to the uh, Michigans. And, and some of them were unhappy and came home. We, we scooped them up. They played for us. And they were and we got better. Uh, but we, mostly we, we played as a team. Uh, you know, I, I remember the, one of the first T-shirts I ever had created was a, it's a team thing. And that's what football is all about. It's a team thing. And uh, our players responded to that. 
and uh, and 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 we and we you know Montclair was was the the team you had to beat, and we ended up beating them the last couple of years we played them. It, it was a it was just a lot of fun, and and I have to say this, uh, that's where I met my wife too, my second wife, my second and final wife. Uh, she was uh, coaching basketball and softball there, uh, and uh, she. Uh, I, I went had to, I had to be introduced at a, at, a, at a physical education meeting as the new head coach, and this girl got up and just started jabbering about me being a full time coach, not having to teach class, not having to coach another sport. And as I was walking back with Casey Keeler to our field house, I said, "Who is that girl that got up and made a fool out of herself?" He goes, "Oh, that's Dawn. You don't want to know her." Well, I ended up asking her to marry me two years later. So. <laughs> A lot of good things happened at Glassboro State for me. So after you mentioned you went to Kansas City as an assistant, you talked about your time with the Rams. You you win. You're part of the staff that wins the Super Bowl with Dick Vermeil with the Rams. And I'm curious, you get to the Super Bowl with the Eagles as a player. You win the uh, USFL championship with the Stars as a player. You win a Super Bowl as a coach with the Rams. Is it? Does it hit differently when you reach that level as a player as it does with a coach? Is one maybe not more satisfying, but is it a different satisfaction? Yeah, it's different. It's definitely different. Uh, once again, I, I don't uh, get on text message groups with my former players or go out and visit with them in Canton to honor Harold Carmichael. Or, or many years, we were always come back for Dick Vermeule's golf tournament in June. Those things don't happen to relationships it's the just the relationships that you had as a player there's nothing better than it uh you can't in my opinion you can't get it from coaching it's just a different it's a different deal uh and uh as, as much as i have still have relationships with other coaches uh the players those are the guys that i that i respond to and uh and i still and i, and I coach for uh, i love him to death um, he never calls me coach. He always calls me John. I think I'll always be a player to him. And you know what? That's good. That's real, real good. John Bunting, thanks so much for taking the time. This was a blast. Had a, a good time, Matt, and I appreciate it. And that will do it for this week's episode. want to thank former Eagles linebacker and former Rowan University head football coach John Bunting for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can help us out by leaving a rating and a review. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at OneOnOnePod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to join us again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.